Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. My name is Tom Jenkins. This is episode 164, and we are absolutely over the moon to be bringing you a promotion special. We have a slightly bumper panel for this special occasion with James Jarvis, Lee Tennant, and Simon Phillips joining me to discuss the very, very happy news that the Whites are going up. A 4-1 win away at Crawley Town has sent Bolton back to League One at the first time of asking, bookending a season of high highs and low lows with an incredible finale that nobody of a wondrous persuasion could have seen coming at the end of January. We're recording this on Monday evening, allowing sufficient time for our hangovers to have run their course. Mine lasted up until about an hour ago. Um, and James, I'll come to you first with a question I'm going to ask all of you individually. Talk me through your Saturday. Uh, how were the nerves pre-match? How did you celebrate afterwards? Spare, spare no details. Let us, let us have an insight into the Jarvis household on match day. <laughs> well, um, this might surprise you to hear, but I was probably one of the most confident people around about the, about <laughs> the match. I, didn't, I, I barely had any worries about it, if I'm totally honest. I know some people were saying we should be worried about a Crawley side that they've already sealed the promotion, they'd they might be willing to experiment and they could catch us off guard by doing something like that. But I, I, I had no qualms about if we carried out, carried out our game plan and, you know, you know, kind of like after our other previous defeats where we properly rallied ourselves, we'd I'd have full confidence that we'd blow the team away 1-0. But imagine my surprise when we blew them away by an actual... Massive scoreline of four one. When when I was when I head over to me to me to me granddad's jo- join him have a couple beers there while watching the match. He was nervous and I and I was cause a cucumber even more so after Sice got that first goal after nine minutes. I I just thought yeah we've done it we've done it we've done yeah yeah I I I <laughs> maybe some people are surprised to hear that but I was fully confident that we were going to do it and thankfully they proved me right. Well, obviously, I spoke to you on the day, and uh, I sensed the uh, the utmost confidence from you, which I did not share at all. Yeah, um, I mean, it was uh, you par- know, I mean, the things I sent to you were partly to wind you up, wind you up. But... <laughs> oh, I noticed. I noticed. I was, but I was also legitimately, legitimately confident, just just based on all the stuff that I'd seen since February. I had no reason not to be. I, th- I think I said at the start of the game to to anyone who listened to me. As long as we scored early, whatever happened after that, I'd perfectly happy to happen. You know, obviously, if we if we'd end up losing from that position, I would have been happy, but I could have accepted it because all I wanted us to do was go to a team playing for nothing and not give them the hope that they could get something from the game. If, for example, we'd conceded a sloppy early goal from a set piece, that probably could have interested Crawley enough to make a proper game of it. As it happened, getting that early goal through Sars, I think you know, really killed any of their belief. And over the course of the game, I don't think we ever looked back from that moment. Um, Simon, I know that you were due to go into work. The weather obviously turning into a monsoon uh, helped you in that regard and keeping you at home to be able to watch the match. Um, talk us through your Saturday. How are you going into it? What did you think afterwards? Yeah, so as you say, the first few hours of my day were basically spent staring. I, I was up, up at about 8am and I spent the first four hours of the day just staring out the window at the rain, just praying to myself, please don't go away. Please don't go away. Um and also, basically, being the only football mad person in my family, my, my, my family basically spent the whole of the day avoiding me, which was brilliant. Um, they just didn't want to be anywhere near me, which I was fine with. I just wanted to, they just wanted to leave me to it. And I was just, 
uh, I, I had a video call with one of my friends who's a Hartlepool fan just to remind myself how bad things could have got if you know the start of the season had continued the way it had. Um, and from that point, I just I, I can't remember. I think I just kept on putting on upbeat music, and <laughs> I, I thankfully was fairly confident. Um, I don't know if I was as confident as James, maybe, but I, I think I've for the last certainly since um, since this turnaround in sort of January February time. I've always been a lot more confident away from home, given the results of you know when we were at Morecambe, when we were at Forest Green, and places like that. There's something about the squad that tells me that almost a bit like how the away fans get more up for an away game. It just feels like they they decide to get on the coach and say, right, we're away from home today. We're going to turn up somewhere and we're going to have them. And I love that. Um, yeah, and then obviously once it started, um, Sars's goal calmed me right down, even if I had any nerves. And by the time Affalion's goal went in, I was just, like most people in Dreamland, I was just, yeah, nothing could have knocked me from that point. Admittedly, I, th- I think, well, until we got the fourth, I didn't have any kind of thoughts about what would happen afterwards. You know, there was no champagne in the fridge because I thought it'd be too preemptive. I wasn't saying anything positive back to you lads texting me and saying, oh, we've done it, we've done it. No, until we get four, I'm not I'm not <laughs> sitting uh, sitting there thinking anything other than we could still screw it up because I've seen it happen before. Um, the second Nisgrove did put that ball away, my dad rushed out faster than I've ever seen him move in, in my entire life to go and grab the champagne and get it chilled before we could drink it from the final whistle. Um, and it was very much enjoyed. Lee, you're a lot longer in the tooth than, than any of us, if Oi. you don't mind my saying. <laughs> <laughs> See, I hoped you'd had a few beers, so you wouldn't mind me saying it. Uh, <laughs> you, you must have had a little bit of concern, similarly to, to me and my dad, that the, we were going to somehow contrive to, to bottle it. At what point did you think, yeah, we've done this? Oh, God, yeah, of course I did. Um, you know me, Mr. Glass half empty. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, in the morning, I didn't really have time like any of you guys to get all nervous and pumped up and hyped up. I'm looking after a, a one year old till 10 to 2, so I'd literally. I must have time help, to, to be fair. Yeah, I didn't have any time to, to get stressed. I sort of cycle through social media at about 10 to 2 for 10 minutes before I set off to my mates in Great Eccleston and drove there listening to the um, Derbyshire for Wednesday game on uh, whatever it was, Talk Sport 5 Live, and uh, didn't really. Didn't really look at the Bolton. Didn't even know the team until because none of you like, pasted it on the, uh, you know, on the um, on the chat. So I didn't even go on Twitter or anything until about sort of quarter to two when I got there. Roughly just after about about quarter to two, uh, quarter to three. Sorry. So I didn't really, I wasn't, didn't really immerse myself in the build up or anything else. Really, just kind of got there and the game kicked off in like five minutes and uh, got to my mate's garage where there was a few of us there and. Uh, about six of us in total, uh, which was good because obviously not watched the game. I think I only watched the um, which one was it? The one nil winning midweek Carlisle game was the only other game I've watched with any more than one other person this season. So it was just nice to have like more of a match day feel and everything in in the garage. And we had all like the wondrous shirts. My mate Sam passed me a wondrous shirt as I walked in because I had some sort of fake. Fruit the Loom style thing that my missus bought me a couple of years ago because I can't find any Wondrous shirts in our new home. It's a nightmare. So uh, so I've got my Wondrous top on and got in the mood. And yeah, the game pretty much started straight away. So I was just kind of like enjoying, just enjoying having just like a match day atmosphere in his garage really, which is like the first time in, you know, God, before, before Fimmer Boy and going back probably 18 months before since I've been to a game. Felt a bit really... more normal, did it? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, it didn't really have too long. I mean, Crawley started fairly well from 
from memory. Let's say I was, I was driving, so I didn't have too many beers. And I had a couple of low alcohol ones, but you know me. So I had um, no one's so, counting, fella. Don't yeah. So um, yeah, I was watching sort of Crawley sort of attack in the first ten minutes. Look, getting a bit worried with myself, thinking oh, this isn't looking too great. They weren't attacking with any sort of great vigor, or you know, they, they weren't threatening us massively. But they had a couple of sort of like balls into the box, which were defended fairly well. But I think Dapper flying cleared it early sort of bit of a scare wasn't it but um, yeah so, I mean obviously when Sarsovic broke down the left from Thomason's ball and he just seemed so he, he was never passing to anyone was he when he got that ball he just sort of drove forward cut inside and it just it just looked so easy I just thought why Why have we all you have to do in this league is have a bit of purpose and a little bit of technical ability and just shoot it's, it really isn't that difficult and Sarsovic's goal just looks so simple didn't it just Cut inside, bang, 1-0. And big pressure valve was released, re- released in, in the room and with, with myself as well. Like I say, I was, I was obviously nervous when, when I managed to sit down and start watching the game with everyone. I, the nerves started going then. And then, you know, the second goal, none of us celebrated until it was maybe maybe four, five, six seconds after we'd scored it. None of us could believe he was onside. We just Because it was off the line as well, you just couldn't believe it was actual had been given um, and obviously that that's that really sort of ramped up the uh the expectation that yeah that we were going to do it so um obviously Doyle is the, the third goal was the key for me I mean obviously half time I was just still 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 worried because you, you when you've been a fan for 25 years it's so just over that you know actually going to games and stuff you, you just kind of think that they're going to let you down and even at 2-0 against 10 men if we'd guaranteed if we conceded one in the first three or four minutes of the second half we wouldn't have been playing the way we have played until that point we would have gone into our shell you're looking at a completely different scenario you just know it just because of just just the way human nature is we would have basically shit ourselves wouldn't we let's be honest so that goal from Doyle that was the moment that I just went mental I just ran outside punching the air just jogging around <laughs> jumping on every like shaking everyone try, trying to keep the social distancing but struggling a bit and just, I just went mad with that goal. I was like, right, Sam, get me a pint of this pump. Uh, he's got an ale on pump, and so I just, I was pretty much settled by then. And I, I didn't think there was any way that Crawley going to get three goals against with, with ten men. So that, that was the moment for me. Doyle's goal, that was the moment that the whole season, the pressure, the, the whole season, like you say, the the high high highs and the low lows, everything just came to fruition. That one moment where I just legged it outside and punched the air. So and after that, just just in, just so nice to enjoy half an hour of football, just well thirty five minutes, forty minutes nearly of football. Just you know you're promoted. There's just that's one of the best feelings I've ever had as a Bolton fan. Even you know going to going to the Allianz Arena, watching us play Munich, watching us get promoted at, at, at um, Millennium Stadium, all that. I think that last that that Doyle goal was just something undes- indescribable, really. To be honest, cracking finish wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It, it's, it's you know the kind of thing that I've been wanting us to do uh, with Doyle all bloody season. Just just give him the opportunities, and he will give you goals. And no one's saying he's going to score every single chance, but just play the way that suits your best player. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, it was just set up for him. To, no other player in the team, I think, could have buried that chance on the and that's wrong the second, foot. Sorry, Tom. I was going to say just before I forget, that's the second goal that Sarsfield just set up. He obviously set up Jones's with a nice little. Little foot of flick inside uh, against Exeter, didn't he? And he, he set that up. It's sort of overlooked a little bit. That's a great little setup. You have to get that ball just 
the weight of the ball just right uh, that he took him from Athol Iron just to set Doyle up with that. And I think, like I say, Sarsfield came to the fore so well, didn't he? He did. James, I'll come to you on that. Sars has been threatening all season, in my view, to put in a performance like that. Um, he got into the League Two Team of the Year, probably controversially, I would say. Um, but the performance like that was certainly worthy of a player in that in that in that spot, wasn't it? Well, controversial's right for his um, League Two <laughs> Team of the Season entry. Um, I was baffled seeing him there, especially with Santos missing out. But oh well, they 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 pick on a, a you know a name brand anyway, so. And Sice, it's not like Sice was terrible this season, so I can't really have a go at it. Just a strange one on that on that front. But no, you, you can. T- he demonstrated why, when he's on it, he's so vital to the team. No, no one else in our midfield drives forward like him, especially in that central attacking mid position. He, he's got so much intent and purpose, um, and it it was a real demonstration of why he was given the captain's armband because that was a captain's performance led by, led by example and I, I can't I couldn't praise him highly enough he, he showed he showed up when it mattered and yeah I'm, I'm I'm so glad that he'll get the chance to flex what he can do in in a higher league next season because I've every faith in him that he can replicate it at the next level up and he he just demonst he he just demonstrates he on the pitch and and post match what he's like what he's like behind the scenes from all the valuable content we've been given post promotion hmm. he he just dem- he just demonstrates you know what the the kind of passion that you really need and the kind of passion that you really need to demonstrate especially when you're joining what what's potentially going to be the biggest club in your entire career. Yeah, no, no. Sice so, so, uh, so in that game embodied all the values that you want to see out of Bolton captain and the whole team in general just embodies what we've wanted to see out of the Bolton team for well over a decade. It's, yeah, the pro- yeah the promotion was fully deserved and, and, and Sicevic shows why he's a promotion expert. Yeah, he turned up on the big occasion and you can't really ask for much more from, from your captain. Another person who turned up for the big occasion and uh, Mark uh, on Twitter was saying so all, all these things about him being on fire, etc. And, and he was. And I know, James, we've been speaking about it on the podcast for so, so long. Dapo got his goal. Oh, yes. <laughs> told me, told me uh, how to, happy you are. <laughs> to, be fa- to be fair, I was like Lee as soon as it went in. I'm thinking, oh, oh poor lad. He's never going to score. He's offside. And then suddenly... He's just he's running over the corner. And he looks back and he doesn't stop. And I'm thinking, oh shit, is he actually scored? I I, I feel bad for doubt. Da- I feel bad for doubting him, but <laughs> thank God we don't have VAR. Yeah, well, actually, if we had VAR, we'd have still been validated. But still, mm. I think I think I think the Sars one was offside. I think Dapo's probably was on. I think Sars was offside. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't. I don't care. Considering our performance, even if one of them had been cancelled out, I'd have had faith that we'd have got another anyway. But yeah, no, I couldn't be more pleased with that point. It's been a long time coming. Of course he saves it for the last game of the season. He just has to be dramatic, doesn't he? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no. We've seen we've seen Chris hyping him up about how valuable and how fantastic he is for the team and 
what he does, the way he draws as many fouls as he does, managing to get Frankham sent off this time, and just his just his play in general. Yeah, no, that lad has earned a goal pretty much more than anyone in the team, and I'm so glad for him he's got it, and I can't wait to see him do it more next season because he is definitely signing the ting. He is signing the ting. That is my guy. <laughs> um, Simon, another player that we... we well, it's sort of polarised quite a lot of opinion, opinion over the last few months. Um, I think in recent weeks has been absolutely superb for us and puts in a really, really good showing again on Saturday alongside a goal. Um, was Lloyd Isgrove. I know that you've had um, a positive opinion of Isgrove for uh, the majority of his time at Bolton, contrary to, to quite a few doubters. Uh, how pleased were you to see his uh, time at Bolton come to such a happy conclusion? I mean, I was really pleased for him. I mean, not just on the pitch and the way he celebrated the goal, but also like all you know, all the videos we've seen of the players celebrating afterwards. He he clearly, I mean, he's clearly on, a nutter. Is yeah. what I would say. <laughs> but that almost that it almost feels like that's exactly what we needed. Um, I mean, I remember when we when I was on the podcast, you know, a month or two ago, and I was asked about his groove, and I was saying, I think the topic was, uh, you know, that he was wondering why he wasn't getting the consistent game time he wanted, and. Obviously, the answer to any of to anything like that, if you're a player who's wanting more game time, is to bring out the performances. And I feel like he, you know, he really has done that in the last few weeks. And he, and you know, he really deserves um, the moments he's had, both on Saturday and um, against Salford. As lucky as that goal might have been to go in, um, he's yeah, he fully deserved it, just like the rest of them did. Now, of course, one of the stars from the Crawley victory on Saturday, and also one of the stars of the season, who was sort of. Uh, encompass Bolton's form just in his own performances, a, a resurgence of, of sorts that's been absolutely incredible is Alex Baptiste. And Lee, he, he has sort of got into contention to be one of our players of the season. And it's probably one that nobody saw coming when we signed him at, right at the start. Exactly, yeah. He's He's been immense this half of the season. I think that potentially he's, he's actually had a, bit, a bigger impact um, than Santos in this sort of run. Um, I think he's just been absolutely immaculate and... Um, a real driving force for the team as well, and I think we've we've discussed on the on the, the messaging group many times about that sort of uh, sliding doors moment when Ryan Delaney's uh, sending off and his uh, weird ear injury that he got in conceding the penalty to Tranmere was uh, a moment that really sort of changed the course of our season somewhat. And I think with uh, with Santos and Baptiste together, we we looked at times impenetrable, and we you know then they were the bedrock of the side that have that have sort of flung us to promotion from the depths of despair really aren't weren't they so uh, like I say I always think Baptiste had a bit of a rough deal in his first spell here he, he sort of signed just after we missed out in the playoffs and ended up playing left back after an injury to Mark Tierney uh, he was earmarked to be playing there in that season and uh, conceded some penalties three, three or four in, in, in a spell and, um, and you know he's still sits him with a few goals cutting him to a, onto his right you know favoured right foot but he never played where his favoured position was he, he had that interview with the with the, the uh, club's YouTube channel not long ago? Got a nice in depth interview, and he, he explained he always sees centre half as his favourite position, and didn't actually manage to play there. I don't think ever at Bolton with the likes of obviously uh, Ream and Weeter, who were sort of in there. Matt Mills obviously he was playing there at the time, so he never really got a fair chance first time round. Obviously left just after a season, and we all had a bit of a bad bad memories of him. And when when he signed in the summer, I think. I think everyone thought, what's, what's Everett doing there? And obviously realised the links with Blackpool and thought his injury record was the thing that worried me the most. Uh, the fact that he was um, he, he played very little over the past couple of years. I think at 
at QPR first of all, and then I think he was at Rotherham, wasn't he? So um, it was a, a difficult one really to, to to fathom why we'd signed him in a way. But other than the fact like, he's mates with the manager, well, like you say, yeah, and, and obviously the first half of the season, barring a, a, a crazy performance against Southend, where he was sort of galloping up the wing and provided two great assists, it looked like his his uh, legacy with, as a Bolton player was going to be that of a failure, basically. No other word for it, was it, at that point? But then, like I say, that Delaney moment catapulted him into the team and he never looked back, did he? No, he's been absolutely fantastic in that partnership alongside Santos and and, uh, a real reason as to why we've ended up being promoted. I think you have to give him credit, not just because of his own performances on the pitch, but also I think the effect that he's had on Santos and making sure that he doesn't have any of these... um, brain fades that he had earlier in the season. I think he's, he's helped to make Santos a lot more consistent as well. So even though I think we probably could be looking to, to replace him ne- next year, which is something we'll come on to a little bit later, um, I think his, his experience, it, it certainly uh, maybe in the back room rather than on the pitch, w- could be invaluable. I'll tell, um, I'll tell, I'll tell you what before you move on. I re- after seeing him this season, I really wish we played him at centre-back when we had him the first time round rather than that donkeys at night. Is it? Is it? It's funny that I was literally thinking the exact same thing, but I think Lee sort of covered our other options in, in detail. That yeah, forgot about that. Dropped Knight in, yeah. but yeah, you do remember the seven-one Reading defeat with Knight playing on the pitch, and maybe if Pat Tiesen playing at centre half, that might not have happened. But who knows? Who knows? I think anyone been better than Zach Knight. Um, but yes, sorry, we're not, we're not going to sully the podcast by talking about uh, poor players gone past. We need to look forwards. Having said that. Um, what interested me in the celebrations after the game, I think we've covered the game in enough detail to be able to move on to the more interesting bit, i.e. everyone getting hilariously drunk straight afterwards, um, was all these people coming out of the woodwork onto the pitch when we were celebrating promotion, wasn't there? There was uh, Greenwich, Comley, um, Delaney as well, someone else I'm forgetting. But just, it, it did seem though, didn't it, James, regardless of these people not having a, a look in on the pitch, the, the togetherness of the squad was all, all for, there for all to see, wasn't it? Yeah, although I don't remember seeing Greenwich there. I did see him in the post-match celebrations, though, which I still find really weird considering he's not been training with the first team for God knows how many months, but whatever. Moving on. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The the team spirit was absolutely on show for everyone. I mean, you saw on the the recent run-out video that the club have just put out that, um, you know, you you had Sars waiting by the bench with Ian Evers soon, just ready to absolutely race onto the pitch. We all know we all know Brocky and Senior were the first ones to absolutely leg it on as soon as that full time whistle went and how they all piled in on on you know at Sky interview to douse him in ice and Baptiste waving his his beer in front of the camera. Yeah, no. It it's absolutely It was serious Wheater vibes that wasn't it with Baptiste. Uh, oh yeah, it was Well, I'd say more I'd say more Isgrove and Santos have been the Vela and Wheater. <laughs> the celebrations this time around. Big reeks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and whatever. I'm not going to repeat what Isgrove did because, frankly, I couldn't understand him. <laughs> but... uh, it was a weird Scottish impression. Well, I don't know. He, he, I think we've said already. He's a nutter, clearly, isn't he? He's a nutter, well. but I, he's a nutter that I want around for next season. But 100%. yeah, yeah. No, he I, didn't I, seem the type really. He seems quite quiet on the pitch. I mean, he looks like quite like a like a. Very quiet player, but he really sort of showed his character there in those videos and stuff. Yeah, didn't he? maybe he's just in a really confident mood now that he's properly found his form for us. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, I've I've not identified with a team like this for so long. Probably not since uh, the European days 
under Allardyce have I identified with a set of lads so much. It's it's absolutely brilliant, and I, honestly, we could be really on for a meteoric rise at this rate. God, I hope so. That would be lovely. Um, Simon, obviously not, none of us were there uh, in the aftermath when the players arrived at some ungodly hour in the morning um, after after coming back from Crawley. I didn't quite realise how far away Crawley was, actually. Um, so that was no, no wonder George Thomason was so drunk that he'd fallen asleep. He probably yeah, um, had four hours worth of straight drinking, so fair play to that. Um, but it was just great, wasn't it, to see, given what had happened, uh, the previous week with, with Exeter spoiling the party and a few mindless morons breaking into the stadium and ruining it for everybody. It was great to see that everyone was there and enjoying themselves and the atmosphere was absolutely perfect and, and the players seemed to be really on board with it as well, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like we've said, I, I think we every every club has a section of fans that are unsavoury, shall we say, and, and we seem to have that Very as well. Very diplomatic. And, uh, well, yeah. And... Uh, as soon as as soon as that game, the Exeter game, turned out on a loss, that you know, I, it's not like I did, I'm not going to say that I expected it to happen, but it's always a lot more possible. Obviously, whereas everybody would have just been so happy um, with the result the other day, I would have found it very difficult for how anybody could fall out with each other or cause any trouble. Um, yeah, when you said you didn't realise how far Crawley was away, I actually googled it yesterday before we started the call, just to in order to commend any Bolton fans that actually made the trip to Crawley. 250 miles, I couldn't believe it. 500 mile round trip in one day really says all you can think about our fan base that, you know, some people are willing to make that journey. Despite government advice. When they're not allowed... (laughs) Despite government government advice. When they're not allowed in the ground, when there was a chance, you know, it might have ended badly um, and they might have, you know, not been celebrating. And so... Yeah, I've just got to commend all the people that made an effort to celebrate and commend the players for being up for it because that is really the type of thing that is going to put trust back in them and in the club and, you know, this trust thing that Ian Everett has been talking about. And it's fantastic, um, you know, to, to have players that are as passionate as we are. Yeah, I think that, that was fantastic, really. I mean, you know, there could have been a lot of hiding behind COVID this, COVID that when all the players managed to get back to the stadium and all the fans were there ready to meet them. And I just like that they threw that to one side and thought, sod this, you know, this is a promotion. We don't get these all the time. We'd love to make them a much more regular fixture of supporting Bolton Wanderers, but they haven't been. You know, let's really, really enjoy this moment. And that, that was fantastic to see. Did you have a particular favourite moment um, from the videos that you've seen, Si, uh, of, of the celebrations? Um, I mean, obviously, it's just got to be Owen Doyle crowd surfing. It, there's just... <laughs> I mean, I must have. I'm sure somebody knows. I, I I must have missed something. How how was it that the whole bus wasn't there yet, but he was by himself? I think I think the bus had sort of got there, taken one look at the massive amounts of people there, and maybe I don't know. In, in his drunk state, he'd said, "It's all right, lads. I'll get off the bus and I'll go and sort it out." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you you guys come around in a, in a moment. I think and, he managed um, to get off before the bus did the turnaround, but uh, for like thirty minutes before they realised, no, these people aren't going anywhere, and just <laughs> accepted it. It was pretty cool. It was, I, th- I think watching watching him dance as like a silhouette, a, a, a jigging silhouette in the background, yeah. um, sort of in the hotel in the reflections bar was one of my favorite moments as well. I mean, at least, he, yeah, go on, go on, sir. He, I mean, you can tell he'd he'd been waiting for that celebration for hours. I mean, if you go on the the YouTube channels, the the post match interview that he did straight after the game on the pitch, the video on YouTube on the club site is forty nine seconds long because it somebody interrupts it and he's already starting screaming. And this is just after the game, you know. <laughs> It's a bigger comeback than Christ. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it so much. My my favourite comment when he'd said he'd rather we got promoted the other week and he'd have turned up drunk on Saturday. I love that. Oh, I saw that as well. That was so good. <laughs> Uh, it was never, it was never, it was never going to happen. Was it? it was always going to go down to the final day. I think you, you and I, James, should have should have worked that out for ourselves. But you know, we should have realised so, so, our club's too too dramatic. Yeah, exactly. We you, wanted think... this guy exposure, didn't we? I think. I think we yeah, wanted uh, out. We wouldn't yeah. have had that. There's no chance we'd have had anything like that. It'd have just been more come on, wouldn't it? Or I know that's they wouldn't have been playing for. It'd have been a play. Oh, could, the could have let Cambridge be on TV, could they? No, exactly. We wanted all the all the fame and all the attention on us, and. Uh, they didn't, didn't have to turn out okay, didn't it? Maybe it's a conspiracy, Lee. Maybe it was all part of Sharon's idea. Yeah. Lads, can, do you mind losing this game against Exeter so we can get the TV money in next week? Exactly. <laughs> just just a thought. Just in, a thought. in Sharon, we trust. Exactly. If you want your promotion bonuses playing, lads, you're going to have to earn it, clearly. Um, Lee, similar question to you. Any particular moments of those celebrations that you that you really enjoyed having watched them back? Yeah, only just managed to watch them back yesterday. I didn't just like just just the whole sort of thing drained me a bit as well as like looking after my little one as I always mentioned. So it was just a busy weekend, and I'd sort of had a, a bit of time to myself in me in my posty van, and uh, when I didn't have too much mail to deliver yesterday, and I looked back through it all, and it definitely raised raised a lot of smiles. Just like all the lads sort of still getting on it the next day, we and Velares sort of uh, next day drinking and I just like the, the clips of the missus is sending sending pictures of Santos coming the one that's <laughs> when Santos comes home and he's just like didn't even want to speak to his missus and he just goes he's a full on zombie in that in that video <laughs> isn't absolutely it brilliant she's like oh nice of you to come home about three seconds later he sort of computes what she's saying he just goes fuck off fuck off fucking <laughs> <laughs> brilliant it's absolutely class but um, yeah like Lloydis go just just being a nut and like you say, just just like just just the constant stream of stuff that was coming on all the time and all the the Instagram lives they were doing. I've not looked at absolutely everything because I'd have been there all day, but it yeah, it looked, just looked super. Makes you wish you'd you'd made the trip down there to. to I think like say, my missus might have said said something to me if I was down at the down at the Reebok at quarter to one in the morning, dancing with. Hoisting a, a drunk Irishman on my shoulder, and like I say, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a grown man now. It's a bit bit too much for me, but it looked like a brilliant, brilliant celebration and like well deserved. And it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it has a bit, but of course, you know, we have to remember that it was only you know two, three seasons ago that we were having a similar promotion. But I've seen pretty much everyone who's had their say on this particular issue. James, is that this one is just so much better than the League One one. Now, admittedly, because the League One one was my, was kind of my first promotion. I was obviously alive when um, we got promoted at, at the Millennium State against Preston, but obviously wasn't really old enough to ha- take any part in any kind of celebrations. So the League One one was special to me because it was kind of my first. But I think this one was better, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I'm kind of similar because my first proper season of going was the or 2 or 3 season when we stayed up on the final day against West Ham. So so League One was my first real promotion as well, and obviously it was a great moment. Fans getting to invade the pitch first time around and quite a comfortable win over, over Peterborough and genuinely playing pretty well. Uh, it, it was just... We always had that cloud, though, at the time of uh, being, being owned by a very dodgy bloke and there was no real long-term strategy in sight and... Some of the some of the players that we had, you didn't really identify with as much. There were there were a few that that people liked in there, you know, like 
like Alfie and and Weeter and and Vela at the time, but real but really a lot lot of those players. Some fans, some fans just couldn't, you know, identify with in the same manner that a lot of fans I can see identifying now with the likes of Sars and Doyle and Brocky, and even though the lad didn't play a single game this season, Adam Senior, I've I've never seen a bloke so happy in my life. As in, oh, he scored in the Papa John's, didn't he? Scored it, scored against Shrewsbury in the Papa John's. It's, it's just mad. It's mad, though, isn't it? Yeah, he, he's been to probably every single league away day and not played a single minute. Not even and, been on the um, bench. He's probably one of the. Well, I, I, I honestly, based on the fact that he's he's been out with, um, what was it, Jones and Sarsovic and Santos and Brocky t- today, getting getting even more drunk. Uh, he's probably one of the biggest personalities in the squad, having not even played a game in the league. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, Crazy. yeah, so. Having having our club and having the players that we do and such unity, uh, pretty much every level, feeling stable again and not r- really having any significant dark clouds over us. Yeah, no, this one feels way better than the League One promotion, and especially because it feels like we we won't be battling a relegation battle next season. In my opinion, I think we could easily battle once again for another. For, for another promotion campaign next season if we recruit at the same rate we did in the coming January window and, and we play the kind of football that we have um, ever since February. Yeah, you'd like to think so. I think obviously there's, there's the element of having a settled team at the moment. Obviously, we do need to make some additions, which we'll come on to momentarily. But I agree with you. I don't view next season as you know a, a stability kind of season. I'd like us to push on again if, if possible. Um, last thing I'm going to say about the celebrations, and I'll come to you, Simon, for this one before we move on to uh, the next section of the podcast, is um, Ian Everett. Now, obviously, I've had my say on Ian Everett, and he is completely turned around, in my in my opinion, based on the, uh, recruiting properly, sort of learning from his mistakes, etc. But in recent weeks, I think he's shown with him getting the players to come out of the stadium and clap the fans uh, in the Morecambe game, getting the players to do something similar after the Crawley match and also coming out and singing chants to the Bolton fans. It, for want of a better phrase, he gets it, doesn't he? He gets what, what this club is about. Yeah, absolutely. He completely gets it. Um, I, I absolutely love the guy. Um, I, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I shared your fears at the start of the season time. I'm sure we had, I'm sure we had a message exchange sometime around November saying, bloody hell, been about we're the getting relegated at this rate. We were thinking we were getting relegated at this rate, you know, it, and that was no joke. It was very real possibility at that time. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that I think I respect him as well for the for the fact that he stuck to. Obviously, he's had to change the personnel of the squad, perhaps, but the philosophy of how he wanted to play. He didn't get beaten down by the results. He knew that what he was wanting to do could work if he had the right players, if he had the right attitude, and uh, and that probably you know probably helped the players keep a lot of respect from him as well. You know, if he'd have started trying to change too many things, maybe they get nervous and think, you know, does he have an idea? Whatever. But, you know, he's stuck with it. And uh, and I think the fans are going to respect him a lot more for that as well. And they're going to give him, you know, all the time in the world going forward, I think. Um, and the fact that he's, you know, made so many public statements about, you know, this is the start. And, and I think everybody believes him. It's brilliant. Yeah, long may it continue. Keep it up, Ian. Please do keep it up. Right, so we covered the game, covered the celebrations, and I'm going to move on to a section of the podcast where I shamelessly rip off uh, Mark Ars is the buff in going through a awards uh, section of the podcast, looking back over the season, 
Uh, we've got five awards. Uh, originally, there were four, but I think recent events have uh, dictated that we do need to include another one. And we're going to start off with that one. And Leo, I'll come to you uh, first. Who, in your opinion, has been the biggest knobhead outside of the club this season? The biggest knobhead outside of the club? Indeed, yeah. I can give you a short list of three if it makes it a little bit easier for you. Yes, in what, I was just wondering what context. I don't remember you mentioning that one last night. Go on. Uh, so, <laughs> I've changed it because obviously recent events dictate that I think there's a certain part uh, of this list that does okay. warrant inclusion. Sorry, but, yeah, there are, yeah. but there are three My that bad. I actually had in mind. First My one bad. is Neil Hare, the uh, the referee who officiated the the Tramia game in one of the worst. Exactly. One of the worst performances. The second one is the Crawley Town admin on Twitter who decided to not only take the mick out of Santos, but also to um, say that the snow at the Reebok or something was falling harder than Bolton were down the leagues. Yes, did that yeah, one turn out for you? And of course, Pièce de Résistance is Keith Onion Boy Hill, <laughs> who has lost his job at Tranmere. And I don't think any of us are particularly sorry about that one. But if you had to pick from that list, Lee, who, who would you go for? It's got to go to Keith on it after today's news. <laughs> kick, him out, kick him out when he's down. Agent Hill, your mission is accomplished. Please come in. No, his mission's not accomplished because well, he, he was supposed to stay in the job and make sure that they lost the playoffs. Didn't, yeah, well, he failed too well, early. He, exactly, yeah. He, well, you didn't peak too early. You failed too early, like you say. Yeah, yeah we'll give it Keith. Is that, that referee... In Tramia, I think we'd have got beat by them anyway. Just, just the way we were playing wasn't wasn't great. And Crawley admin, it's all fun and games, and it is that made made the, the the day even sweeter, didn't it? With Ricardo's t- uh, tweet back to him and what have you. So it's all fun and games. That don't mind a bit of banter between clubs, but yeah, Keith. Yeah, well, I feel a bit sorry for him in a way. I think he's he's just he's too much of a big. Too much of a big mouth, Annie, but I think he's I don't think he's a bad guy. He he did his best with us and it just wasn't wasn't particularly good enough and he just ran his mouth and he's ran his mouth again and he's out of another job. We must yeah, having said that, you get a nice payoff from people, don't you, when you get sacked to the football manager, you don't just get a you know, He thinks he's a lower league Mourinho. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, I'm sure he won't be too bad. He'll, he'll be he'll be getting the rounded in his local in Bolton probably next week or whatever with his with his payoffs. So I'm sure he's not too bothered, but You've got my award, Keith. He is, he, he's, I still think he's a knob, regardless of whether you think he might be a decent guy or whatever. Uh, J- James, I'm pretty sure I know where this is going, but would you like to have your say in any of the three mentions that I've put forward? Yeah, Neil Hare. That's ge- that might genuinely be one of the worst names I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Doesn't help that he's a bad referee, too. So, although although I've just thought about it, of course, him him sending Delaney off might have helped us in the long run. So who knows? The man's a hero. <laughs> yeah, I think he is. Yeah, yeah. Who was who, Delaney? Was hair? yeah Delaney was probably going to going to be replaced at some point anyway. To be honest, let let at some point in the season, but he just helped it along. But anyway, yeah, Nick, the Crawley admin, like you say, just banter. He he set him set he set himself up for that one, so. But yeah, Key Phil, ah, uh, uh, it just it just feels right. It just feels right <laughs> seeing him sacked, doesn't it? Ah, uh, ah, uh, the absolute just. I, I just feel so justified. Ah, <laughs> uh, we, we, we I I've warned Tranmere fans for the, from the beginning that the guy was a gobshite. He was never going to get them anywhere, and you and that uh, you'd lost any chance that you had of automatic promotion. <laughs> I didn't think they'd lose 
they'd almost lose out on playoffs as well because they built up enough in the meantime. But nope, he, he nearly got him that far as well. Just a shame that Exeter had to bottle it. But yeah, I saw someone reply to James on Twitter today. I'll try and make some money or yesterday, whenever whenever the news broke, and some you said, "Oh God, you were right about him." <laughs> sort of, yeah, like you fuckers were right about him. I think he said. <laughs> <laughs> That must hurt them a lot to say that. <laughs> yep. So. Ah. Uh, oh well, they may they may have a chance of uh, the play of winning the playoffs now, but nah, I still back Morkham for that. But yeah, that's okay. Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. Fuck off, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lyrical genius, isn't that Simon? You're the I mean, music expert here. Gonna have an X-rated language I mean, warning on this pod soon. How can I possibly follow that? I don't, I don't know, but I'm going to ask you to anyway. I mean, I think I think we've covered the other the other two whose uh, contributions to this season have been, uh, you know, knobhead worthy. But I think I think I know where you're going to go if I ask you to pick your biggest knobhead of the season. I mean, I've got to I've got to go with Keith. I think partly for for what I agree with what Lee said. He he, he ran his mouth at us and he ran his mouth at Tramier. I mean, he's done the same thing twice. He's not learned his lesson. Um, you know, take a leaf out of Ian Evitt's book and our book. I mean. The way that you've got, we've got through this, no matter how bad we were doing before, was squad unity. We've talked about players who weren't playing, um, who've not played, you know, barely since January, February, probably, who are still celebrating in this game. And whereas Keith's approach seems to be, well, it's not going right, so I'm going to blame everybody else except myself, and uh, see if that somehow makes them, you know, band together and get behind me. And I, and I don't think that's, that was ever going to work. Um, there's I'm a way. There's a way to be arrogant, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Back it up. It's very, yeah. very simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got to be Keith. Agreed. I think um, it's just one of those things. That I think there was a couple of comparisons between Hill and Ebert made at the start of the season by a few fans, and I think it's 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 understandable because he was saying a lot of things that could be construed as arrogant, but was Ebert. But the thing is, if you back it up. And also, if these um, things you're trying to implement with, you know, football platitudes of, you know, running off at half time and things like that, if you implement them and they provide success, then I don't mind if you, if you come out and say things that people might raise their eyebrows at. But, but Keith Hill has got absolutely nothing to back up the stuff that he says. No. And I'm very, very pleased to see him out of a job. So, yeah, Keith Hill, congratulations. Biggest knobhead, Line of Vienna Suite podcast 2021. <laughs> Unlucky, mate. Um, we're going to move on to one to more Bolton Wanderers centric awards now, uh, and this one I'm going to stick with you, Simon, given because you sort of drew the short straw, having to come in on the Keith Hill one a little bit too late. Um, it is our best goal of the season, and this could be either because you think it's the most quality goal that we've scored or the most important. But what what which one stands out for you? As I alluded to last night, my my memory of goals is not brilliant, so I'm going to have to go with sort of the goals that have made me celebrate hardest or or that I've thought are most important or maybe games that I was worried we wouldn't win that suddenly, you know, it, it changed my opinion and, and for that reason I'm more important. So my sort of little shortlist would probably be um, Jackson's against Morecambe or perhaps Doyle against Forest Green, um, purely two narrow away victories around, you know, against teams around us, um, getting a bit jittery thinking, can we can we go away to a team round about us in the table and, and do a job and 
you know, those those moments were were the difference. You know, without those goals, we're in the playoffs. Obviously, that stands for a lot of victories. But yeah, th- those are two that stick in my mind. Um, but my favourite goal of the season, even though you know the game was potentially won already, um, was probably Doyle's goal um, on Saturday. Actually, yeah, I can I can see why it was it was a proper nerve settler, wasn't it? I think. Mm. Coming straight after half time, any potential worries about a Crawley comeback were completely and utterly squashed by that goal. So I can, I can see why you'd pick that. Is that is that going to be your your pick? Do you think if you if I forced you to pick one, if you forced me to go one, then yeah, uh, yeah, Doyle's on Saturday. Nice, Lee. Same question to you. Yeah, um, basically, um. I'm just looking back to all the all the results just to jog my memory a little bit on this, but I think for pure sort of strike, um, possibly could be Declan Johns um, against uh, Leighton Orient in the win in January. Um, that was a great strike on his uh, on his on his left depot, his little lay layoff, um, and for the importance of a goal. Um, I just love Sarsfield's goals on Saturday. I just thought it was. Real confidence, just going to take this on and just driving for goal and nothing's going to stop me and just lashed it home and like I said, it just made it look so easy. Like I said earlier in the pod and I think that just the, when the ball hit the net, that was the that was the best moment of the season for me because once that's, I mean, I said once once the third went in, I was absolutely certain we were going up but I think that first goal just settled everyone down and set the tone, didn't it? And I think, for me, that's that's the goal that stands out. Like I say, Arthur who is hit against Mansfield was, was equally as important to get the three points that day. Um, and I think it's just a case of Sarsovic just sticks in my head. I think I think it will stick in my head for for years, and that's the that's a goal I'll remember for you know decades, as opposed to maybe a couple of years. Yeah, I think I'd be hard pressed to argue that with you on that one. It was certainly. All I wanted going into that game, I wanted us to get a nerve-settling goal like that. And it was it was great to see, you know, the captain take charge in the game. We've had so many people over the years where the captain's armband not really take charge and not lead the team in that manner. So it was very, very pleasing to see Sars do that. Uh, James, same question to you. See, th- see, this is a real struggle for me because there's three that stick out in my mind for different reasons. And two of them are really stupid reasons. So... <laughs> So I'll I'll just go over the two stupid ones first. First first goal that sticks out into my mind is Miller's winner against Southend because that that was just the most stupid goal I've ever seen in my life. It was, wasn't it? But it was so good. <laughs> oh, it was so good. Obviously, Origi and Pickford vibes when Mark Oxley just failed to clear the ball away from from the bar and Miller just there to easily put put it away. Oh, I was di- I was dying with that goal. Second goal, I think you'll know which goal I'm speaking about now that I'm hinting it, Tom. Mm-hmm. Go on, <laughs> which one? Couldn't couldn't be Big Dog Ryan Delaney, could it, away at Cheltenham Town? Yep. <laughs> An important goal in its own right, but yeah, you just legging it over to <laughs> celebrate with the boys is always going to stick out in my mind from that season. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you saying that. It was a good night, that. Yeah, that was pretty special. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Oh, it's still funny. I, yeah. I, I, I've read um, Chris Flanagan's article uh, in Four Four Two, and I think he, I can't remember which which one it was. He did, he did. I did. I don't get obviously get a name check, but he did say the lone Bolton fan sprinting down to celebrate with the team, 
And I think it was the funny thing in the aftermath of that was me texting you on the chat and saying, Oi, lads, did you see me? <laughs> yes, yes, we did. <laughs> it was hard to miss you. <laughs> oh, no, that was good. That was what, good. Did, what did Andy Warhol say? Everyone gets the five minutes to fame or 15 minutes, whatever it was. So, I, well done, I think, Sam. No worries, mate. I think you'll find that I host <laughs> the best Bolton Wonders podcast around. So I think oh, my fame is that. continuous, as, as is all that. of ours. As is all of us. Um, yeah, no, that was that was an awesome moment. All right, and um, but the third the third one and one and one that's more serious, and also because it was just a good goal in general. Um, Gnua's winner to win three two against Mansfield. That was such an important goal and such a big turning point in the season, in my opinion, especially because it allowed us to gain confidence from coming two 0 down and go and wit- get get a second win in a row to really bomb off on our fourteen game unbeaten run. That that got I that was one of the goals I definitely celebrated the most that season. Yeah, I, I think I think um, it would be again. I keep on saying this, but we'd be hard pressed to, to argue with that as, as as your goal. I don't think we're going to be able to come to a general consensus as to which one that we want to put forward as our goal of the season. But I think it's important for everyone to sort of have their views heard on this because there's so many moments that will mean you know different to, to everybody else. Me, for example, I wasn't actually thinking of the the Delaney goal. I was thinking more of the two last-minute goals that we got against Barrow, they, they were the two that stick in my head. I think Miller's against Barrow. I was sat, um, I was sat with a, with a group of my mates just before we were about to watch the uh, God, what game was it? It was, the, it was the Six Nations game, England against Wales. And I was sat there in my Bolton shirt, and <laughs> it was just deadly silent in the room. And I just exploded up with my laptop in front of me when I saw Miller score. So that one's always going to stick out with me. And Sars's late goal to equalise in that Barrow game, I think, was something of a turning point because I'm not sure it would have been very easy for Ever to recover had he lost to his old team. So those are the two that yeah. I would pick mm-hmm. out. But I think from a pure quality perspective and how important it was in the grand scheme of things, I think Arthur Gnu is is um, probably the best of both worlds. But I completely agree with you, Lee and Simon, that the goals uh, that we've mentioned from Saturday also have to be worth, you know, worth including. So yeah, I think we can suffice to say, boys, a lot of good goals this season. A lot of good goals, not a good celebrations. With the oh, Nahua, sorry, Tom. Um, yeah, with the Nahua goal, I just remember being sat. I was still working on my, my shift, so I was. I saw that we'd gone two 0 down against Mansfield, and I just ditched my phone. I was threw it across the the van. I thought, sod that, and started doing the rest of my shift. And thought, right, and I just kept seeing in the corner of my eye just notifications coming through, through and through. And obviously, it's some of them from you lot in the group, and some. And I just saw we got one back. And I, and I thought, I forget, we've got one back, it doesn't mean anything, there's only about eight minutes, seven minutes left. And it, I just, that for me, that was the main turning point, because I think if we'd lost that game, well, there's been so many turning points, I think, really, like we said, Tram, maybe, there's been loads of them, haven't there, but that Nahua goal to win that game, I think, just gave the team so much belief, and I think I think, I think that's a good choice as the, as the goal, because it's probably the best hit of the season, maybe, and, and the importance, double it together, I think I think you're right, I think that's probably probably wins the award, doesn't it? Yeah, I think um, you know loads of honourable mentions, but if we had to put forward one, I think it would be that one. And even if he, uh, you know, doesn't make it to next season, or if he got, you know, decides to move on to pastures, new will always remember King Arthur. So thank you very much for that moment, local hero. He lives down the road. Um, next one we're going to move on to before we start talking about individual player awards is the game of the season. Now, Sai, I know you have issues remembering goals. How does your memory extend to games? Oh, maybe not much better, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> w- without trying to sound like I'm, you know, just jumping on the bandwagon, um, 
and without talking too much about one game, that Mansfield game, I do agree in terms of its importance. Potentially, I mean, what Lee's just said about, you know, he saw it was 2-0 and kind of flung his phone away and uh, and, and almost written us off. That, it's almost like that game encapsulates sort of a wider view of our entire season. I feel like um, I'd almost switched off on the whole season at that point, you know, never mind just that game. I, I just, you know, I didn't think we were going anywhere. Um, and that, and that, I, I was similar. I was I was out somewhere. I was sat in the car. I can't remember exactly where I was. And I just thought it was 2-0. I just couldn't be bothered to check. And then as I updated it, it just turned it around. And I, and I was screaming in this car in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, in a car park somewhere. And, and it, it that, you know, relit my um, belief that we could do something. Um, so I can't necessarily call it my favourite game of the season, though, because being an away game, I didn't bother to pay for it on iPhone. So I didn't even really see it. Plastic. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, it, it, it was a pretty pretty cracking match. To be fair, I don't think we can we can argue with that one. Um, Lee, are you going to say something similar? Is there another one that sticks out for you? <laughs> There's a few that stick out for me, but the one that that really made me believe we could we could actually do it, even though it was well into the midst of our you know ten. I'm just looking back at this, the results that like ten wins in eleven, and one of those wins was straight after the Bradford draw. Uh, which we, we robbed. We absolutely that was a brilliant second half away at Bradford. We absolutely we dominated that. Magnificent. And we really did not deserve that that late Danny Rogo. But um, the game after that on the Tuesday, I remember driving home. I managed to get done quite quickly, and was driving home. And I thought, oh, sorry, I'm going to put I'm going to put the game on on the dashboard. And you know, police pull me over. It's, it's just me sat now. Should we could change it over? You know, whatever. But hopefully, there's no one no one in there. Lancashire Police Force listening to this pod. So add it on, I just thought, we're playing well here. This, you know, we're popping it about, and we just absolutely dominated that Cambridge game. And they were top of the league um, or second. They might have been second. I think so. They might have been top. Anyway, they were above us, well above us at that point. Maybe about seven, still seven or eight points above us. And we just absolutely played them off the park. So Jilks dropped dropped that one in from uh, Kyle Noyle, and we just. Just the way we played and the swagger with the obviously we were hanging out at the end, but that's you know, we hung, hung on fairly comfortably. And I just thought I really believed after that performance that we didn't actually replicate that kind of swagger until the second half at Crawley or, or no, most of the game at Crawley. Let's be honest, we didn't really we ground it out most games apart from that, but that one really stood out to me to show me that Everett Ball really was in, in full full swing and it was working how he envisaged it when he took over. And I just thought we were magnificent that game. The way Sarswich smashed that volley home after it sort of bounced around the area after we should have scored. Just just aspects of that game really made me think we've got a proper team now and we can really we can really have an assault on this top three. Not just the players. Because all we were all any of us were thinking is can we make those players, can we make those players I think that night made me think we can do the top three. Yeah, I think it's probably the best I've seen us play in a decade. You know, Gen- genuinely, I think possibly the only Quite one that possibly. comes, only, only only one that comes close. I think is possibly that four-two um, win against Spurs that we had all the way back with you know oh, Steinson yeah. up against Bale. That that is literally the last one that I remember where I'm just watching it and thinking, you know, I've seen Endeavour, I've seen Hartford and Bolton team, but just the the quality of football that we played quality as well. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Exactly. It was incredible. It really was. And it's just a shame that Jules threw that ball into the net because I think we could have quite comfortably won that game by three or four. Yeah, but we got promoted. Who cares? Um, James, have you got another one to add to the list? Uh, it's. In terms of my favourite game of the season, 
Um, Bolton versus Salford live on Sky. 2 0 win. Stupid Turnbud goal. And as soon as that went in, the camera pan into Gary Neville's upset face. Oh, that Great was so job. funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to search that over. Look at it again. It's just so. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Oh dear. I don't that pick the conventional. I, I can't just pick the conventional choices most of the time. But that that genuinely was one of my favourite games of the season, especially because we just played well, and a lot of people were expecting it, you know, to be like. You know the two the two money sides, and um, you know the two expected to be battling up near the top, which I don't think either of us were around that time. No. Nope. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And we just ended up comfortably controlling Salford that that game, and that was before we switched formation and uh, properly got Everett Ball underway as well. Yeah, that, that was a good one. I think, admittedly, my, my game of the season, which is again a different one. So again, we're not going to come to a consensus on this, but. Uh, the Salford away game. I think when we defended for our lives and showed some serious, serious grit and determination to go with the good football that we were playing to have got ourselves in front in the first place. I just remember the Jones block, the Delfonso block. Baptiste was an absolute animal that night. I just, I was really, really, really proud of them for getting that one over the line. And that, that one is certainly up there for me over the course of the season. And yet again, just like with the goals, a lot of good games to be talking about um, this year. So I'm, I'm, I think it just shows what a fantastic season it's been. Um, now moving on to the individual player awards. And Simon, I'll come to you first again for your unsung player of the season. I- ironically, um, although he's been getting a lot of mentioned recently, um, I, th- I feel like Sarsovic deserves even more praise in, the, in, in his attitude um, in the way that you know he had a he's had a bit of an up and down season in my opinion, um, and I, I guess pressure is always going to weigh on you a, a little bit more as a captain. Um, so you know the fact that he maybe hasn't had a perfect season and maybe was missing for some of it, and then you know time out with injury, um, it would have been very easy to sort of come back and maybe let that get him down a bit. Um, and you know the, the way he's finished the season was fantastic. So that's one mention, but um, I'm going to have to go with Matt Jilks. I think um, just purely based on purely based on the fact that our main problem at the start of the season, well, we had many problems at the start of the season, but one of the main ones was the goals we were conceding. Um, you know, Krellin, you know, tried his best, but you know, un, un, you know, young and untested um, is okay to an extent, but once you find yourself with your backs against the wall, um, he wasn't coping and. Uh, I think just without Jilks, it could have been a horror show for the rest of the year, potentially. Um, and, you know, the, the confidence he instilled in the fans, the confidence he instilled in, you know, the team around him, especially the centre-backs, some of the saves he's pulled off. Um, I just think it was a complete catalyst for change in, you know, the way that only a few other players have matched. So, yeah, he gets my vote. I think I think that's a very very fair point that you make, and just imagine where we might have been if he'd started the season in goal. You know, mm. it's puts some maybes and all of that. Leo, I'll come to you next for your unsung player of the season. Just having a good think about it then, while Simon was speaking, and um, I'm going to give it MJ Williams. I think everyone else is being sung now, uh, and he well, he has been to an extent. Obviously, people, different people on Twitter talk about different players and, and Lord doing and Williams certainly got got plenty of praise after his shaky shaky few games at the start, which we all thought, well, what's he actually offering? You know, in the in the side ahead of Tut. 
which um, you know was very unlucky not to be playing really, and you know he, he may well have been part of a, a promotion winning side. I don't think that Williams particularly may have done that much more than Tuck might have been able to, but what he has offered is that physical presence that Tuck perhaps struggles with a little bit with his size and his. I think Williams has just offered a, a, a real calm presence as well as a, well, he's calm and busy. He's, he's he's so good in closing down and he just offered that stability in front of the back four that's really, like I say, been the bedrock of our, our surge. And I think he's he's still not getting quite as much credit as, as understandably so as, as Dapo and, and Sars and Doyle and Baptiste and Santos and nearly everyone else in the team. To be honest, even Getting Jones has been... Uh, been given a lot, a lot of credit recently. I think he's probably the one. If you're going to go completely unsung, I think he's the one who, who's knitting everything together. And, and the sum of his performance yeah, were, were absolutely super. I think the Salford game you mentioned, Sam. I think he was brilliant. Game, I remember him being fantastic in that game. He's had a number of what you, you probably unlucky not to be our man of the match, but he's probably just been pipped by either Baptiste or Santos just for the fact that they've been absolutely superb. But I think Williams has just been. A real, I, I literally, I had to Google who he was when I first uh, when he first signed. I did know who he was once I realised it was Jordan Williams, and he, he turned his name into MJ Williams, which I, I don't know when that happened, but I'd always known him as Jordan Williams at Liverpool, and then obviously he went to to Blackpool and went to various Swindon, Blackpool, a few other League One clubs. I just hope he can step up to the to League One again because he seems like he's struggled a little bit to hold down a place in a League One side so far in his career, but it's not, certainly not beyond him. He's not old. I like how he's uh, he's got a bit of that the Welsh contingent with with, with Gethin and, and Lloyd's Grove and that's that law you know always always a bit of camaraderie in it when you're from the same nation I know he's a bit of a scouser really let's be honest but <laughs> so um, is Jones <laughs> exactly yeah I mean a lot of them are aren't they but they've got that bit of a link and I just I just think he he's about as really... Welsh as I am Lee exactly yeah he's been, he's he's just been he's been someone who's surprised me after his start I say as we know Chris. In our uh, in our group, was is uh, he wasn't overly keen on him, but it's, 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 if he can win round Chris from a, a start like that, then he's he's good enough for me. Might be one of the first people I've actually seen do that. To be fair, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I true, think true. that that deserves some serious serious credit. Um, James, have you got any other people to mention? I think we've we've sort of covered a lot of people in general, and it's quite difficult yeah, to pick out an unsung yeah, player, isn't it? I- Lee, I'm disappointed in you mentioning that Welsh contingent, not mentioning the most Welsh player we have in Declan John. Declan, yeah, of course. I'm not How dare he's you? Not, he's not ours yet. Let's hope he will be. Oh, he, oh, he will be. Sign, he's not. He's not. He's signing the ting. <laughs> but yeah, after, uh, after he puts in a starring performance for Cymru in the Euros as well, he's he's on the plane. Have you heard it here first? Yeah. Um, He's better than Ben Davis. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> yeah. Back to the conversation at hand, though. I feel like most of the um, players, like Lee said, were have been rightfully credited, and so that's why I'm going to go outside the norm with the choice again. And for the unsung player of the season, I'm going to mention Peter Kioso, who was excellent in the first half of when he when he joined us, gave in some vital goals, and was really one of our few sparks of creativity in on that right-hand side when when we were struggling to gel as a team. And we were all gutted to see him go. Yeah, I, yeah, I have, to, I have to credit him for what an influence he was in that first half of the season before everything just started to click for us. He, he, he probably got us some vital points. And yeah, I, I can't credit the lad enough. And I hope he goes on to have a good career. 
So do I. I think he was um, very, very exciting to watch in in the first half of the season. I think there was a lot of eyebrows raised when, when he was brought in because we had Jones and we had Hickman. Um, not that we're necessarily saying that they are any better or worse, but it's just, you know, it seemed odd. And Brockbank as well, sorry, for getting Brockbank. So we had three people there to play it right back already and we brought in Kyoso. But it was an inspired move. And again, you wonder where we might have been, or whether it might have, this run might have come too late had um, the influence that Kyoso had on the team not already happened. So again, yeah, I echo those sentiments. I think he was... Very, very useful. And uh, I think um, we've, we've very, very briefly touched on Andy Tutt. I think you said it later, but I think Andy Tutt deserves a lot of credit for the way that he held that team together um, in, the, in the first half of the season and has been sort of unceremoniously dumped out of it. Uh, but again, I, I thought fantastic in that midfield, exactly what we needed alongside um, Sarsovic, you know, someone who was very, very prepared to do the dirty work and especially in that Salford game at home that you mentioned, James, I thought he was exceptional. Um, and also Kieran Lee, to a certain extent, he's unsung, not necessarily unsung, but Kieran Lee's coming in into that midfield and has done uh, wonders for, for the team, knitting the play together. I think perfect ever player, so good on the ball. And another very, very good signing, uh, when a lot of people might have turned their nose up given his in- injury history and age. So a lot of players who could be considered unsung heroes, and again, won't necessarily come to a consensus, but it just shows that the depth in the squad that we've had this year but it's now the big one, James, and I'll come to you first, given that you've sort of had to draw the short straw and go for out there shouts on the other awards so far. The big one, player of the season. Who are you going for? Oh, I like going for out there shouts. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to come to you last? No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Honestly, can't get the podcast guest these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it has to be between... I mean, I mean, as much as Dial's goals were vital, really, player of the season has to be between Santos or Baptiste, doesn't it? I believe so. I'll just go for Santos purely because he played more well in he played well in more games than Baptiste did. That's only just because of the quantity of games he played. He's played every minute this season, and I'd say he was only bad in maybe about five or six of them. So yeah, I have to I have to give it to Santos. I'll tell you what it is. I think I'm going to come to you, Simon and Lee, in a sec to, to, to talk on this because I think it might be a similar theme. But I just it's a good point that you make there about A, Santos having played every single minute this season, but also you know thinking there's only about five or six games that he's played badly. I'm pretty sure we could actually name those games. He's been that exceptional. I mean, to be fair, three or, four, three or four of them were at the start of the season when... Exactly, and then I'll say Port Vale one and then Grimsby, and then that's it. <laughs> Literally every other game he was exceptional. Um, but yeah, go, go on, go on Sai. Have you got any advance on Santos or Baptiste? Well, I've got to agree with both the suggestions massively, Sim- simply for the sake of of putting another name in, not that James didn't mention him, would be Doyle. I mean, obviously the defence is, is very important. Santos has played every minute and he's, they've both been fantastic um, for the majority of the season. But, um, you know, all that solidarity is, is great, but you still have to have somebody to, to fire you to a win. Um, and, you know, I, 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 you know, you can't say enough, a guy that scored 19 goals. I think it was, was it the first Bolton striker to do it since Chris Eagles, I think? Ricketts, like, Michael Ricketts back in Michael 2001. Ricketts, sorry, 2001. And it was just like, that That says something for, for us to have not had a, a player score that many goals in, in 20 years. So, um He's, he's, he's in there for me with, with the two centre-backs, yeah. And, and, and also Jilks again. I know it sounds like I'm just mentioning everybody, but... They, they, <laughs> They've been that good. They've been they, that good. They have been, you know, three or four players that we just couldn't have done it without. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good point. Lee, I'll come to you to ask for your player of the season, but also just the, the other question. Do you think Dawes was maybe a little bit unfortunate to not get as much of the attention as our dynamic duo at centre-half? Yeah, no. Um, I think he's been... He's played the role that we thought he would play. I don't think anyone thought... If they know, I'm not like I'm, I didn't know his playing style, and you know his his general sort of uh, performances in 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 a game before he came to us. But I, I you know, know a few Preston fans. They said he'll he'll just score your goals, but he won't really get too heavily involved. He's not like he hasn't been involved at all. He, he's a willing runner. He runs the channels. He, he doesn't he doesn't hold it up particularly well. Let's be honest. He doesn't hold it. Up. He, he can do, but he, he he's he can be dominated by centre hours in that aspect and. I just think, in general play, I've been frustrated by him too many times to to even consider him to be in a, maybe even in the top four. If I'm honest, I'll probably have him fifth in the plays that I think have come to be the most. But you can't look past him scoring all those goals. Yeah, he's had a couple of penalties, not a many penalties, maybe three, but a lot of the goals he scored have been have been really important as well. And you can't look past that. He's obviously a top top bloke, and really glad to have him at the club. Will he be a League One number nine? Maybe. Will he be good enough to score the goals? If we get the, the service around him, possibly still, yeah. Uh, he gets in, he finds space and he finishes. Most of the time, he finishes. You, what, you're confident, basically. When he, when he goes in front of goal, you're generally confident. I actually think he's a striker who's a little bit better with time, which you don't see that very often. You strikers play off instinct, but when he's got a little bit more time sometimes, I think he's absolutely better. You see him go through one-on-one, you're fairly confident he's going to hit the corner of the net. That's a good, obviously a great trait to have in a striker. But I think he's, he's probably a bit unfortunate so not to get quite the adulation that, that Santos has got, that Baptiste has got recently. Um, he's an important important part of the team, obviously, and without his goals, you know, I don't I don't know where we'd be. But would someone else maybe have done even better than him in that position? It, it, which we'll never know. But his general play just marks him down a little bit for me. But he has had games where he's been exceptional throughout. I think the th- six-three loss against Port Vale at home was one of those games where he was. Pretty much the only one who deserved any credit out of it. He, he worked his socks off the whole game. Actually played really well in a six-three defeat, which was a weird one. But you know, he's not. I don't think he's been quite at the levels in general play as as, as the main contenders for this award. So, is it between Baptiste and Santos for you? Then? Yeah, yeah. I think it has. So, I think I think Santos has to edge it. Like like James said, I think it's. I think because he played so well in the, in the in the November run, which let's not forget, it's all pivotal, isn't it? It's all important. With those four wins in November were, were, were vital. Um, for obviously, five wins in our competition, but four four league wins in a row, where it looked like we would turn the corner. Um, he he was very good in those, and like James said, you can only handpick. Uh, I didn't see the Colchester away again. That was one of the only games I missed. To be honest, pretty much all. He was dreadful. Yeah, so he was bad in that. He was very bad against Newport when I gave him a zero in the ratings. I think or a one. I mean, I really apologize. I said he besmirched the the, the the fine name of Ricardo after Ricardo Gardner, Ricardo Vaste. So uh, if you are listening to this, Ricardo, don't hunt me down. I, I've I've actually apologized to you on Twitter. As I think well, everyone's so. forgiven him now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I say, no, it, it it was an awful start to his Bolton career, but. Fair play to the man. He's he's moved. I think I said that on the tweet as well. He's moved to a new area. It's a new team. It's completely new teammates. It's a new formation. He's not, he's got to get used to new team. It's just everything. It's it's tough. And when the team isn't performing around him, he was the first one who sort of stuck his head above the parapet. Along with Sarsovic, because Sarsovic scored some really important 
equalisers mainly in that in that run at Cambridge at Barrow um, and at Mansfield at Mansfield at home. Sarsovic and him started to drag the team out of the malaise, and um, Santos was certainly the first one to really put together a consistent run of form in the in the whole team. Let's be honest, because Sarsovic was was getting the goals, but he wasn't really putting the ninety minutes in of pure, you know, decent quality. So I think with Santos, he was the first one to really go right. This ain't good enough. This is a joke. Why the f are we twenty second? I'm upset, mate. Why the fuck are we twenty second? We've said fucking enough times on this podcast, haven't we? Um, and you know why? Why are Bolton just doing this badly? And he's the first one to really get us going. I think for that, not that reason alone, because he's kept it up apart from the odd performance where he's he's made a bit of a rick and he made a bit of a rick in the last minute against Crawley. But he did. No one cares about I, I, that. I, no, apart from that, Jill, that, apart I was, from that Yeah, I, I was in the jokes camp with that one, Lee. I'm sorry. J- jokes. Really, yeah, no. It's, jokes. There reminded me of Manuel Neuer. Uh, when Oscar scored for Brazil, even though it was seven one, he was furious. No, it was seven nil when he scored. <laughs> I remember being delighted at that because I had both teams to score and Germany to win. But anyway, um, so that yeah, uh, Santos for me, I think edges it by a three or four percent over Baptiste. But I think Baptiste only really had two or three decent games, a very good game against Southend, and then a fantastic end to the season. Fantastic since the mid mid January Tranmere game, wasn't it? So yeah. Baptiste was superb for, for sort of three and a half, four months, whereas I think Santos, like again, like James alluded to in his in his comments, I think Santos had just has the edge um for, for sort of dragging us out of that early season funk and uh, and getting us those wins in November. So well done, Ricardo. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's safe to say that Rico is the Lion of the End Street 2020-21 player of the season. I think uh, we've obviously got a lot of people who we could have necessarily put forward Sars, Doyle, Baptiste, Jokes. I agree with you, so I think he deserves to mention there. But big reach, you know, is going to be our player of the season. <laughs> um, and I think, I think the theme of this year has basically been redemptions, hasn't it? So it's only it's only right that uh, someone who's gone undergone their own personal redemption in, in the team wins the award. So congratulations to all the award winners and especially Keith Hill. Um, moving on to probably our, the last little segment of this podcast before we, we love you and leave you. We, I think we're probably knocking on around about an hour and a half almost now, but I think, you know, promotion special. Why not make the most of it? Um, looking ahead, as we have to do, uh, to next season and the transfer window and where we think we could be at next year. We've already discussed very briefly, James, haven't we, that we think we're going to be possible to contenders for promotion if the right investment is put in and the right players are signed. Um, going into the next season, we've got quite a few people under contract still, which is very unusual for Bolton, so we don't think there's going to need to be a massive overhaul. But where do you think are the key areas that need to be improved upon or any players that you can think of that you might want to be bringing in? Uh, well, I've not had my time to do my research yet for players at this level, so... That, that, that would be for further down the line when we're, when we're struggling for stuff during the Euros or something yeah, like that. Yeah, plus I kind of want to see who he retains um, and who he offers contracts to as well before I really get into that. But sure. but an area, but obviously the areas that we need to sort out, we, we need to get uh, John and Dapo tied down as soon as possible. That's priority number one. 100%. Just so we can solidify that left side. And, and then... Uh, I wouldn't say there's any real problem areas. Maybe some areas that could be strengthened a bit more. Like as much as much as I love Jilks, and I would absolutely have no problem for him being number one next season if if he can continue the kind of form that he showed this season. I would 
look I would potentially look towards just another more long term option at goalkeeper. Whether that's us uh, signing Jensen permanently or just signing someone else or, you know, grooming out grooming Alexander or some other keeper from our academy to eventually take Jilk's spot. Whatever that option is, I think goalkeeper is an area that should be examined myself. Uh, there are a couple areas where we just need some extra options like out, like out on the wing and another striker option behind Dial, another left back behind John when we eventually sign him, another centre back <laughs> maybe. But outside of that, I, we already have a really solid spine. So really, any any other additions that we make for next season are just going to be beefing up what we already have. Yeah, you'd like to think that uh, a lot of this team is going to be retained. And, uh, well, I think a lot of them, as I say, are under contract and there's quite a few decisions to be made, which I'll come on to you now, Si. In terms of um, people being released, I think the key ones who are out of contract at the moment and, and could do with being extended, I'm, um, I'm not going to include Jones in this because I think we're under the impression that Jones has been automatically renewed anyway. Right. But yeah, Jones, Jones is on a two-year. He's getting an extra year, I think. Exactly. So, so that's that's all right. I think the ones that we would be looking at potentially, well, we could renew. I'll let you decide as to which ones you think are the most vital. Are Isgrove, Delaney, uh, Adam Senior, Andrew Tutt, Sean Miller, and Arthur Ganua. And any of those Brabank. stand out to you? Oh, oh I, I thought Brabham was under contract. My apologies. Um, yeah, any of those stick out to you? I can already see a couple there that I would certainly want to be renewing. Uh, well, Brockbank and Senior. Spe- certainly because they're young and they've got a future and because they absolutely love the club. Um, Isgrove as well is very high on the list and Tut. Um, who, who are the two? You've renewed, Tut? You've renewed Tut, would you? Well, I don't know. I, I just feel like we need a few more options and I, and I think he played quite well for the part of the season he was in and uh, I, think he's a, I think he's a part of the group, that, you know, um, in terms of the spirit, etc. Um, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't, I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't see too much of him, but um, I think he was, he certainly didn't do anything wrong. No, um, he was very good in the first in the first half of the season. It's just, I think, with having been sort of half a season out of, of, of the team and, you know, the possibility of maybe looking further down the line to keep Thomason involved and it, things like that. I, I wonder if maybe his time has been and gone, but I, I think there's a conversation to be had. I agree with you there. I think the other yeah, ones on the I list mean, that I might mention would be Miller and Ganua. I mean, it may well, maybe may partly um, depends on if we have any kind of restrictions on squad number or financial restrictions or whatever. I, I think if we, I think if we can keep him, we maybe should. Um, Miller, I, I don't know. My, my opinion is probably rose-tinted glasses because, you know, of the, of the kind of impact he was having as a as a late substitute. Um, I, I'd probably want to keep him, actually, simply he, he looked like a really good finisher to me. And I think that's why he worked well as a as a late-impact player when, he, you know, maybe if he didn't have a lot of time on the ball and he was under pressure, you, you know, he was sort of seemed quite reliable to stick it away. Um, but yeah, Ganua, I mean, apart from, apart from his man, you know, his Mansfield moment was very important obviously I don't remember much more after that and that maybe that maybe says enough yeah he had a little bit of a purple patch didn't he I mean, around that Mansfield game where he came off the bench and performed really well but it sort of faded a little bit unfortunately I think it was 
can't remember actually off the top of my head. Was it the Colchester game that he started and wasn't particularly impressive? Mm. But um, you know, yeah, it was the Colchester. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think the, the time may have been and gone. Might might and Titley. I think, but the, the other ones that I'm looking at as well. We've very very briefly touched on Ryan Delaney. I can't really see him being given another contract. The ones that are under contract going into next season, where decisions need to be made on them, are Crawford, uh, Liam Edwards, Ronan Darcy. Unfortunately, we've not seen anywhere near enough of him this season. Brandon Comley, Liam Gordon, Reese Greenwich, and also another one that I'm going to throw in there because I've not been too impressed with him in, uh, of late, and I don't think he's looked particularly interested. Is uh, Nathan Delfonso? Are, are there any people on that list you'd be looking at retaining, or are there any people that you just think we should be getting shut off, Lee? Yeah, um, yeah, good point on Delfonso. Obviously, he signed a two-year deal when he came, um, and it might be a Kevin Nolan syndrome. We just had a baby, and I think his performances have dropped off, and I think he might be having sleepless nights. I don't think he he made some vital contributions in the first half of the season. Uh, little little run and dribble to beat um, down the scum uh, way it's thought to set up Kyoso's goal. Even the 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 ball the beat his man and the ball in for Doyle for the Forest Green winner. Uh, he still made little contributions, but yeah, I agree. Last sort of at least a half dozen games of the season, I think he was. Uh, I wouldn't say disinterested. It's, that's his style, isn't it? I, I thought he was languid, isn't it? Yeah, I thought he was more of a hard work. Not to say he, doesn't, he hasn't worked hard because he, he did. Away at Salford, he came on. And I think it was quite quite telling that Everett sort of mentioned that even Delfonso was putting blocks in or whoever <laughs> mentioned. You know, it's kind of like a bit of a slight on him. Like, oh, he's, even he's trying hard. Bloody hell, you know. So, but I don't think I don't I certainly wouldn't have him there. If you had to ask me what his performance was over the whole season for a player who's played at a higher pedigree, he's probably a six, isn't he? But you know, a six point five, give him a bit more credit. He did get a few goals, got I think he got eight or nine. So you know, he's someone who we need to look at whether he's is he sellable, is he saleable? You know, is someone going to back pay money for him? Are we going to cancel his contract? Probably not. He's probably quite happy just to pick up a wage for another season. Then he might drop down a level again, back to League Two or even even the National League. You just don't know. He's not actually that old. He's only I think he's only just gone thirty or twenty nine. He's not as old as you think. He's been around for a long, long time. Uh, broke through at Villa very young. But anyway, so moving on to the others, like you mentioned, Delaney. Not for me. He had good. He had good little. He had good games. Don't get me wrong. He's a, he's a back to the wall defender. He's someone you might bring on to add another defender in with 10 minutes left, but is that enough to, to bring to give someone a new contract? I don't think so. He's not going to be in a huge wage, but he might be on a League One wage. Obviously, Hill brought him in in League One. Yeah, pro- probably no, no for me on, on Delaney, even though he, he has his merits, but I don't think he'll be getting a new contract. Um, we've got to think, though, it's, it's another long season. Andy Tutt, someone who I think he might be fairly happy not playing as much. I'm going to say as much, probably not really at all, but could he be there as pretty much just what he'd have on football managers literally back up? Hmm. Yeah. He, he could he could well be someone who who's quite happy to play that role at this stage of his career. Again, he's not ancient, he's not thirty six, I think he's thirty two at, at worst. Is he? Roughly around that, isn't he? I have not checked. I had thirty one in my head, but yeah, thirty one thirty two. So, you know, he, he he might say, Look, I really want to play football and I don't want to be, you know, just someone who fills in perhaps plays the odd cup game, comes on for ten minutes here and there. Because I don't see much more of a role for him than that, let's be honest. But I wouldn't be a bit, if he wanted to play that role, I'd, I'd keep him, absolutely keep him. Because he can't have enough of those sort of characters who are, obviously seems like a good guy, despite, you know, he's had, had a couple of issues in his career, what I've heard of with Morecambe and where he's sort of fallen out with, with, with the gaffer or, you know, etc. Seems to seems to have been a few attitude issues that I've, I've heard, but we've not seen any of that at Bolton. He's been 
and he was very much an unsung hero in that first half of the season. So it'd be, it'd be a shame to see him go, really. But I don't foresee a lot of football for him, unfortunately. But you know, you just never know. If injuries hit, and he, he might end up playing fifteen games that season, he, he could be vital. You, you just don't know, do you? And then Miller and Nahua, like Simon says, it, I remember Nahua starting against Leighton Orient and and putting in an excellent performance. I thought he was man of the match that day, and Kansas gave him a man of the match. And he was a bit unlucky that he he didn't really. Not that he didn't really build on it, he, he was sort of shunted back to the bench not long after that, really. Even in the next game, I think he didn't make the next game. I thought it was strange because I thought he was. He, best he got player. pigeonholed, unfortunately, for he him. Did, he did. It's um, one of those. And would I keep him on? Probably not. We need to be looking at someone who's got a bit more pedigree going into League One. I, I find it a little bit baffling before, I don't want to go on too much, but a little bit baffling now. <laughs> Skybet have got us 3 to 1 for promotion next season. Hmm. That is a tough league. Um, it's before all the teams. It's before everything gets formulated. Obviously, they're not including all the teams in the playoff at the moment, so the odds will tumble a bit. But I, I really don't think that we're equipped at the moment. God knows what's going to happen in the summer. We might get some investment from you know com- the communities, whatever. You just you just don't know. It doesn't look likely. It looks more like it's going to be a stadium naming thing, but. And every little helps, as they say at Tesco. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you just you just don't know what's going to happen, do you? But realistically, I think a mid-table p- potential playoff push push would be absolutely unreal. I, I think people who expect us to go and steamroll the League One. There, I mean, look at Accrington finishing like eleven, twelve. They, they go to Portsmouth last day and win with nothing to play for. It's not again. It's really not going to be easy. But no, I don't foresee us going down. It's really hard to say until we've form, formulated our squad for the start of next season and we all reconvene and do our pre-season predictions. I'll know more then. What we have got behind us is momentum, and we've got a bunch of players who care and seem to. Re- I love that tweet from. Um, I think was it Sarsavich said. I'll see you all to and, and I think Isgo said, I can't wait. Oh, Sarsavich said to Isgo, I absolutely genuinely can't wait to see you on Tuesday. And it just made me like absolutely <laughs> proper chuckle at how, how much of a bond they've obviously formed. I think they've only probably formed it in the last sort of eight weeks. So it's like a... It's, it's amazing like what a winning a, mentality does for you. It's like a honeymoon period of, between all the players. And it? it's like when you've, it's kind of like when you meet mates on a stag do and then you like see them at the wedding again. It's like, oh, like great to see like the... Like they're all sort of new friends, aren't they? A lot of them. There's not many who knew each other before they came in. Obviously, there's a few, but like I say, it's just it's great to see. And I think all these um, the players that have been a bit bit part that we just mentioned, a lot of them, Brocky, etc. It would be a real shame to see any of them moving because we, we'll all we'll look back on all of them with fondness. Even even Delay, even like Hickman and. Not so much Conley, but he's been a monster. He's not, you know what I mean. Poor Brandon Conley. <laughs> Two-year two, two contract. Poor son. Reese Greenwich and Conley. I mean, Greenwich did all right when he played, but there's a few in there who are unfortunately going to be tired with the shit brush, aren't they? But let's be honest. But, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because I'm, sure I'm sure he's not as bad as he, he looked in that first first spell I, I and it's a similar thing with Crawford that if you put Brandon Comley in the right um, yeah, team exactly. to suit yeah. his talents which is you know quite pedestrian but as in break up play pass it to someone who's better than him on the ball then yeah. it'd be fine but I think our team requires someone a bit better than that yeah, especially in a double a double pivot. If he was just on his own behind like a three or something, like a four one three two, some something like that. But like you say, there's a few in there who obviously need to find pastures new. We're not going to shed too many tears, but they've been part of the journey. And 
you know, I saw Conway there celebrating with some of the, you know, obviously a bit more muted than the main characters, obviously, but, you know, he's, he's, he was still there and still making the efforts to sort of try and get involved in a couple of videos there, so which is nice. You know, it can't have been easy for him coming up from, from down south and buzzing over to Montserrat every so often to play for them as well. It's, it must be a weird career for the guy. Some life, eh? But, yeah, exactly. Well, I say it's not so bad, is it? But, like I say, thanks to him for, for playing in the side at the start of the season, trying his best. There's no way he didn't give any enough effort. He just didn't really have the quality which we needed. But there's, there's plenty that like that, like Greenwich and, and obviously Darcy, we hope he looks like he's bulked up a bit. Let's hope he, he sort of progresses with the club and gets gets the minutes he needs that season. Maybe alone until January could be a good idea, but we'll, we'll just have to see. But like I say, there's there's plenty of decisions that Everett's going to make and have to make over the summer. And, and you know, whatever he makes, I've got full confidence he's making them for the right reasons and doing it for the for the future of the club. And long may that continue. Yeah, I think, I think the last thing I'd say on, on sort of renewals and contracts is I've, I've neglected actually to mention Baptiste, that, whose contract obviously is up this summer. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I would obviously be looking to renew that, but not as a not as a starter. And I'm not judging that based on his age. I'm judging that based on the fact that I do think we need to progress. And I think maybe it, it's the kind of thing where you've had a really, really good run and I'd like it to not stagnate. Um, but I think his experience behind the scenes, guiding someone like Rico, who I think has the potential to go higher than, than this division, could could be invaluable. Um, James, before we sort of round this podcast up with sort of everyone's overriding thoughts on, on this season, like a, a, a summary paragraph someone might be able to come up with, um, how excited next season are you to see Dennis Politic back in the Bolton shirt? Mate, the thought, the thought <laughs> of him on one wing, Dapo on the other, in, that is purely an, that is purely orgasmic. <laughs> just think, just think of how many stepovers and how many players are going to be beaten just by pure dribbling skill alone. It's going to be glorious. Oh, I, I can't wait. It'd be shame for Lloydie to miss out playing on the wing. To be honest, I think his growth has been so good that I, I want to, I want to see more of him. But maybe I don't know. Politic plays him behind the striker, or maybe Politic plays up front. Who knows? <laughs> it's a brave new that, world. That, that, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, no, that's the kind of squad depth I would I would love to have next season. Yeah, oh, and, and hopefully some of the players that you know that are on the contracts who the ones who have the chance of sticking around, like like you mentioned Darcy earlier. If he has a good preseason and like you say he's bulked up and he's made his way back to first team training in re- in the recent month. Maybe maybe he could actually still kick on and have a career if he doesn't get sent out on loan, and he, or maybe, uh, prob probably a optimistic thought, but maybe Liam Edwards can finally get over his injury issues and prove his worth in his final year. You know, yeah, yeah. There's there's play there's players there that that have a chance, and yeah, I'm I'm very excited I'm very excited for next season, especially because we won't just be focusing on what. The, especially because we'll have time to focus on the quality of transfers that we bring in. We won't have to bring in an entire overhaul of a squad for next season. And that's going to be really refreshing. Very much so. I think it could really help us keep that momentum. I agree with Lee to a certain extent. I don't think it's uh, wise to start thinking it's going to be another HMS Pista League um, season. But HMS Pista playoffs. (laughs) Maybe, who knows? (laughs) To be honest, I I don't mind doing the playoffs. As long as we get into them, you know, finishing like sixth or something like that, if we don't have to go into the playoffs on this season, I would have been terrified and hated every single second of it. Um, so I'm very, very pleased we don't have to go through that nonsense. Um, exactly. Um, James, I'll stay with you. Just 
sum up your thoughts on this season before we love and leave the listeners with what has been a very, very long podcast. Yeah. First half underwhelming. Second half. E-I-E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> up the football league we go. <laughs> Oh dear. I, I don't know if the listeners actually use Discord, but there is a button on here, which I don't know if you boys have noticed, that literally says deafen. Uh, so I, th- I think, James, you're doing your own version of that. <laughs> I apologise profusely hey, to man. everyone who may have been deafened. Hey, I ca- hey, I monitor the volume levels. I was within range, so don't you worry about me, fella. <laughs> uh, fair enough. It's just me wanting you to be quiet. So I... Uh, Sum up your thoughts on, on what has been a ridiculously topsy-turvy season, but we've finally come to a wonderful conclusion. In, in one word, I'd say revolution. We've gone from, you know, ter- years of terrible ownership, financial problems, you know, managers in and out, players in and out, and, you know, like Ian Evett said, turning a, turning a sinking ship around. You know, we, we were just plummeting downwards and, you know, like I said, revolution. We've gone from all those terrible ownership and to, to people we can really trust at every single layer of the club. And, yeah, I can just see us going up. I don't think we'll necessarily get straight automatically or anything next season, but we're certainly going to move in the right direction. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and, Lee, your thoughts on what has been such a mental season? Oh, you've missed the, missed the great chance there, Simon, to uh, do the old passage line. It's uh, evolution, not revolution. It's uh, it's an evolution, evolution. No, <laughs> oh God! You nearly had it because <laughs> we don't uh, we don't revolve, we uh, evolve. I'm very happy for you to have that one, Lee. Yeah. So I just think God, I cannot believe we got promoted. I just I still can't I can't believe I'm going to wake up just after the Tranmere game in my bed with the very weird fever dream that's lasted sort of four months. But I can't believe after that Tranmere game we've got promoted. I still can't believe it now. And uh, kudos to all of them. Like, there's been a lot of ground out results and nail biting one nil hang ons, but God, it's that crawly game just that was worth it, wasn't it? It's, it's just been it's been an absolute roller coaster, and we absolutely needed to get out of this godforsaken division this season with long throws and mud baths and games postponed because they can't be asked putting under soil heat and behind under the pitch or whatever logistical reason, you know, that they don't have decent pitches in this league. It's just been an absolute grind, hasn't it? And from where we were to to where we where we were from where we were to where we ended up at Crawley is just it's just like night and day, isn't it? It's just it's just an absolute one word is probably relief that we're just out of this division and we we run the road back. And uh, after all that happened, I think the promotion was inevitable. Here, <laughs> here, <laughs> except for that pun. It's harking back oh, to what no. I said um, right at the start of the year, actually. I think we did a podcast where we were talking about um, Everett's appointment, and I think I ended it by saying a promotion under this new manager is inevitable. So that's bookended it perfectly. Didn't even plan that. So it's a silly pun, Tom. No, it's all right. <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've got my own um, movie reference to, to come up with for, for this season anyway. Today, today we today we spell redemption B O L T O N instead of R O N. Which, if you don't get that, then you need to watch better films. <laughs> so, so, thank you everyone for listening to the Land of the End Street podcast all the way across this season. It's been fantastic to cover this incredible Bolton redemption story with you. Uh, this is episode 164. Thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll see you later.